Hello and welcome back to the Literary Salon podcast. It's me, Damien Barr, and normally I'm recording these from my place in Brighton, where I live, uh, but I've actually escaped further down the coast because, you know, the sea looks somehow a little bit different here and I've been having the most gorgeous time reading Mary Oliver and some sand dunes. I don't know why I felt the need to tell you about that, but I did. I hope that you are having some gorgeous reading experiences. And if you haven't been to a salon recently, you should know that we are going to be at the Edinburgh Book Festival this summer. I can't tell you who the guests are yet, um, but I can tell you that the salon will be appearing at the Edinburgh Book Festival and you can get tickets for that now. And I think they'll be available to watch online. I mean, I hope they will be. I don't know that they will be. Listen to the doubt creeping into my voice. But certainly I'll be there in person and I hope that some of you can join me and my guests there. Now, I want to talk to you about another book of the week. There is so much conversation right now around translated fiction, both from the point of view of readers, and but also the point of view of writers. Writers have made assumptions about the kinds of audience that are available um, for translated fiction. I read a really good piece about this in The Guardian recently. So it feels like, you know, translated fiction is no longer a sort of marginal concern, which I just think is such a patronising idea. That's the way that it's often um, talked about. And it's such an Anglo-centric idea as well. This idea that, you know, we should wait to be served the riches of other countries in our own language. Oh, anyway, ran over. We love translated fiction here at the Salon and we've shared loads and loads of it on our podcast and at our events. So we are pleased to bring you a reading today uh, from the first English language debut of Itamar Vieira Jr. The book is called The Crooked Plough and it's read for you today by the book's translator, Johnny Lorenz. Itamar was born in Salvador in 1979 and holds a doctorate in ethnic and African studies. His collection of short stories entitled The Executioner's Prayer was nominated for Brazil's biggest literary award, the Jabuchi. In 2018, The Crooked Plough won Portugal's prestigious Premio Leia Award. The translator Johnny Lorenz is the son of Brazilian immigrants to the US and a professor of English at Montclair State University. And he previously translated books by, wait for it, Clarice Lispector, including A Birth of Life and The Besieged City. So back to the crooked plough. It opens with one of those events. I'm going to say it is formative. Uh, (laughs) Traumatic would be another word. Um, It opens with this formative event in which two sisters discover a blade hidden beneath their grandmother's bed. And that blade leads to one of them losing their tongue. It's a shocking start to any story, but one which establishes their bond for years to come. The book is narrated in three parts. So the two sisters, Bibiana and Belenicia, each get a part. And there's a spirit named Santa Rita, the fisherwoman, who narrates the third part. It blends the everyday lives of subsistence farmers in Brazil with folkloric elements and it takes on a sort of magical quality, overlapping poverty with the fantastical living and lives of these characters. And it's all used to really, really great effect. So it explores and explodes the hardships experienced by Afro-Brazilian communities and their various struggles for social justice, particularly against unfair land claims. So for me, it's a world that I knew nothing about. And this is what fiction can do. Non-fiction could do it too, but fiction, I think, takes it straight to the heart. So here is Johnny with a reading from Itamar's The Crooked Plough. 
What an absolute pleasure it is to be reading for Damien Barr's Literary Salon. My name is Johnny Lorenz. I'm the translator of this astonishing and beautiful novel, Crooked Plow, by the Brazilian writer Itamar Vieira Jr. I'd like to give a bit of context for the chapter I'm about to read. Our narrator is telling us a story handed down to her, a story about her grandmother, Donana, a woman with healing powers. But Donana turned away from her gift, a gift bestowed upon her by the spirit world, by the Encantados. One afternoon, Donana returns home to discover that her son, Zeca, has vanished. I will now begin reading from Crooked Plow. Donana feared someone would show up unannounced at the door to tell her that her son had been found dead. Zeka had disappeared without a trace, and many days had gone by since my grandmother came home to find her front door busted. As it was impossible for her to concentrate on farm work, she stopped going to the fields for a while. She sent her children out in all directions in search of their brother while my grandmother went deep into the woods with her machete, opening pads, calling out for Zeca or for José Alcino, using his full name, and sometimes holding her breath in case the silence yielded some clue as to his whereabouts. They'd return home at night and gather in the light of the lamp and the candles to report that they had seen footsteps by the riverbank, or that a woman out on the edge of the plantation claimed she'd seen Zeka, but she wasn't sure because she couldn't see very well. But if her eyes hadn't deceived her, it was Zeka, wandering around like a lunatic. Or that some folks spoke of a jaguar prowling in the woods where the boy might be hiding. Or that someone had been stealing eggs and fruit from their backyards that clothes had disappeared from the line. Time seemed to grind to a halt as the news trickled in. The sun took slower steps across the sky. The nights seemed endless. Then one of Donana's boys came running home to report that a cowhand, miles away at the Fazenda Piedaji, had observed a young man, a black man, naked as the day he was born, spending his days beneath the Jatoba tree on the boundary with another plantation whose name he couldn't recall. My grandmother left Carmelita in charge of the little ones, told the foreman she needed to find out if that youth was her son and struck out with some of the other kids. She took with her manioc flour, hapadura candy, and some crepes for when the kids got hungry. She had no idea how far they'd have to walk. They followed the road until arriving at Piedaji. The cowhand said it had been several days since he last saw the young man. So, something's not right there, ma'am. He sleeps beside a jaguar under the jatoba, and the jaguar does not harm him. He said the beast seemed to be under a spell. It would circle him, guarding him, as if he were the jaguar's cub. 
The man didn't say another word, but remained quiet, huddled in a corner of the room. It was the same jaguar Donana would see years later when she looked into the eyes of our dog, Fusco. Donana set up camp near the Jatoba tree. She had a bit of flour with her, having come across a shed earlier, where luckily someone was grinding and roasting manioc and didn't mind sharing. She gathered the fallen jatoba fruit and used the seeds to make those humble crepes that had killed the hunger of her ancestors and would kill the hunger of her descendants. She slept poorly in the primitive shack she'd improvised to shelter her children from the night. She was afraid of the stories she'd heard about the jaguar. She remained vigilant, and very early one morning, she heard a rustling of leaves a sign that her son might be lurking nearby. Donana got up from her mat and woke the eldest of the sleeping children. She let her ears guide her through the forest trails. She came across a marsh where fireflies were flashing excitedly over a glistening pond. An animal of some kind was there on four legs, lowering its head to the muddy ground, lapping water. But as night gave way to morning, my grandmother could see that the beast was her son, who'd been lost for months. She called out to him, José Alcino, and Zeca. But he vanished into the dense scrub, scrambling away on all fours through the cacti and dry branches. Donana knew how to move stealthily without alerting her bosses or neighbors and could wield her machete more powerfully than many a man. She followed Zeka deeper into the forest and at last she found him, cornered, staring at her with widened eyes, baring his teeth. Donana said a prayer asking permission of the Encantados of the forest, then lassoed her son as though she were roping a calf. His naked, filthy body was covered in cuts and sores. He reeked like a peccary. Ignoring his screams, she covered him with a blanket and bound his hands together, then told her other children it was time to go home. She left behind her makeshift shack and the remnants of her jatoba crepes. The house of João do Lagedo was along the way to Kashanga. My boy's been carrying my burden for me, Donana said to the old man when he opened the door. I was disobedient. I wouldn't listen. I defied the saints and they punished me for it. Joan's neighbors had started gathering round because Zeka was howling and whining like a dog, struggling to break free and run. Cure my boy, compadre. Cure my boy. And if he must be the one to bear my load and become a healer, so be it. She turned away and led her other children home. Thank you.
That was Johnny Lorenz reading exclusively for the Literary Salon. Thank you for joining us, Johnny, with a reading from The Crooked Plough. The New York Times has described Itamar as a leading voice among the black authors who have jolted Brazil's literary establishment in recent years with imaginative and searing works that have found commercial success and critical acclaim. And again, that was the New York Times. Those are the sorts of reviews that I think if you get them, you must just engrave on your heart anyway. We hope that our podcast can be a part of this book, finding its success here in the UK. I really hope that you share the reading with your pals and that you go and find the book in your nearest independent bookshop. Or, as I'm always saying, please do join your library. The Crooked Plough is published by Verso, the largest independent radical publishing house in the english-speaking world and i'm always excited when i see the versal logo on the spine of a book and actually i'd love to know when you are looking at books do you think about who publishes them is that something that's first and foremost in your mind um or do you just think about the author name or are you thinking about the genre or are you just shoving books in a trolley in a bookshop because like me you buy far too many and know that you're never going to read them all but that's all right anyway Anyway, back to Verso. They are known for books that focus on social justice and they've got an amazing backlist of translated fiction. So please do check them out. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure to bring this book to you and I'm really excited to hear what you think about it. And you will hear from me again very soon with a new book of the week. And I hope to see some of you up in Edinburgh.